Scripture reading for the sermon is from Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are, a, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Pastor Jeffrey, and I'll be giving God's holy word today. Let us pray before we go to the preaching of the word. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we come to hear your word and your words alone. Help us as we worship you during this time. Let your words transform our bodies and our souls. Lord, let them enable us to see you, to see you clearly, and to give you all the glory. We pray that you would be in the midst of ACC as your word is preached and as you are worshipped. We thank you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is our last sermon in our current series of Genesis, and we are going to end with Genesis chapter 11. And this is a famous chapter in which we come to understand of how the different languages were formed. But really, chapter 11 is really the beginning of how the rest of human history will unfold. How regular history will unfold and how redemptive history will unfold. Chapters 1 through 10 have been really setting up the foundation of all that information. They are all connected. But today we will end, we'll, we will end with chapter 11 and we will learn that chapter 11 is super applicable to us today. That this is not just a wild story or a wild fantasy that was made up. It's not a simple myth, but it's history with serious implications for us today. Today we will talk about Babel and the two cities that are being built right before us in chapter 11. We will be seeing the city of man being built up and we will also begin to see the foundations of the city of God and how that will begin to be built. So I have uh, three simple points. It's not going to be as crazy as it was last week. But um, three simple points. It's the unity of Babel, what unified them. Second, it will be the judgment of Babel. And third, it will be the redemption of the city of Babel. So first, the unity in Babel. And before we go in and read about the unity of, 
Babel. I do want to address verse 1. It says, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And for many, this seems to be a contradiction to the chapter before, in chapter 10, because in chapter 10, there was a constant refrain as the generations were being told. It said, these are the sons of Japheth, these are the sons of Ham, or it would say, these are the sons of Shem, by their clans, their languages, and their nations. So in chapter 10, we see that languages, different languages already existed. So how then, in chapter 11, is there only one verse, I mean one language, in the whole world? Well, simply put, Genesis 11 is an intense close-up view of what happened in chapter 10. To put it um, more clearly, if you remember Genesis chapter 1, we saw the whole creation narrative. And after that, we saw that everything was built, the sun, the stars, and man and woman, they were all formed in the image of God, and all of creation was good. Then chapter 2 begins. And what is chapter 2? It is the further explaining of how man and woman were specifically created. So it was zooming in, understanding what happened in chapter 1. This is what we have here in chapter 11. It's a zooming in of chapter 10 and how all these generations and how these nations formed. And it's important to us because it helps us understand how we have different languages, how we have different nations, and how this was really setting up for what the Lord was going to do in the future. So verse 2, it says, And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And this should take us back to chapter 10, verse 9. In Genesis chapter 10, verse 9, it says this. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, and Akkad, and Kalneh in the land of Shinar. So that's where it places us. That's the context. That's where it's all beginning. It's in verse 9. This is the time when there are many generations People were talking in one single language. And with this one single language, they all got together. They, they talked about the weather. They talked about what they were going to do the next weekend. And as they got together, they came up on this one idea. They said, let us build a city together. And in the midst of that city, let us build a tower and we know that it was this action that caused the Lord to come down and bring judgment upon the people. Now, the act of building a city and building a tower is not sin in itself. We shouldn't say, oh, see, when all cities are created, it's a sinful thing. We should all live on farms and in suburbia. No, it's really saying, look, but look at the intention of why the city was built. And here we are offered two very distinct reasons of why they are going to build this city and build this tower. Verse 4, they say, and let us make a name for ourselves. That is one of the reasons they want to build this city and this tower. They desire to make a name for themselves. And what does this mean? It simply means that they want people all around them to worship their works, to worship themselves. We know in chapter, Genesis chapter 5 that there was a line, a line of Seth 
And we knew that this line called upon the name of the Lord. It means that this line was faithful and would worship God as their creator. But here in the city of Babel, they wanted to worship themselves. They wanted to make a name for themselves in which people would claim their name and they would give them worship to them. And this is what their desire was. And we must remember at the heart of every sinful intention, this is at the heart of it all. It is a great desire to be worshipped, to be God. If we remember Genesis chapter 3, the foundational chapter, we see that Adam and Eve committed a sin of eating from the tree, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And as explained before, the sin was not that they ate that piece of fruit. It was the temptation that was presented before them that caused them to eat the fruit. And what was the temptation that Adam and Eve received from the serpent? Verse four, chapter 3, verse 4 says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, in, when you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And it's that phrase, you will be like God. That tempted Adam and Eve to eat the fruit. So here in chapter 11, we see sin beginning to grow again. Let us create a city and tower for ourselves so that people, so that we would become like God. And remember, they were going to build the tower. And we know from archaeology why this tower was built is because they were going to ascend into the heavens. They themselves were going to be, create a stepway, a staircase to God. We know that the, this is called, these were called ziggurats. And they're actually all over the Middle East. They built these towers, these staircases, so that they can go up to God and that other people could worship their name. This was the great sin that Babel was beginning to be involved in. They were going to ascend to God with their own hands. They were going to ascend to God with their own blood, sweat, and tears. And there they would be worshipped and they would be praised. Now, if you live in New York City, as most of us do, you'd see that there are a whole bunch of ziggurats down in Midtown. There's a bunch of skyscrapers that have the names of all these people. And if you talk to these people, these employees, they actually all want to be worshipped and praised. It might not be their name, but it is at least the name of the company. So we see that this sin has not died down. It is alive and well in New York City. Now, this is not to say that other places don't have it. It's just more pronounced here in New York City. Towers and towers and everyone trying to have their name placed upon it. You see, at the heart of all of that, at the heart of it, it's not really to make the world a better place. The drive and function of New York City or of all these buildings is to make sure that their name is known, to leave a legacy so at least people would talk about them and worship them. And we see that. There is plenty of 
CEO worship. There's plenty of leader worship. There's all these types of worships all around. And you don't have to just be in New York City. You can go anywhere. Every human being in every country is trying to make a name for themselves. And it's to be worshipped, to demand a certain thing, things and be praised. So that's one reason that they began to build this city and this tower. The next reason that they build this tower is because they don't want to move. Verse 4 says, lest we, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. They want to build the city. They want to get comfortable. They want to have this tower and not move. Because if you think about it, why move? There's no city. There's no roads. It's difficult. They just want to stay in their comfort zone. And I understand this desire. I never, ever want to move. But here we know that this is a direct violation. Not, not my desire, them. <laughs> we know that there is a direct violation here in God's commandment. Because when God made the covenant with Noah, and if you were here with last week, this covenant is meant with everybody. God said to the whole nations, he said, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and Fill the earth. Have children. Have families. Go fill the earth. Explore this beautiful creation that I have made for you. Go and search it out and look at it and admire it and worship me. But they are more content with staying in their land. If we can stay together, we won't have to go through all that trouble and toil. And Yes, it's beautiful, but it's better if we're just here together. And not really expanding or challenging ourselves. It was a desire to be comfortable. And while that desire is not a sin in itself, it does become a sin when it becomes an ultimate thing. When it is our ultimate desire, when it goes against the very command of God. When God calls us to do something and the only good reason we can find is that I don't want to wake up. I don't want to move. I'm comfortable here. It's, everything is perfect here. Why would I want to do these things? Then we come into a direct violation of God's holy word. And I'm going to go into that a little bit more. But I want us to think about that. that the two apparent sins here of why they built this city and this tower was so. One, that they could make a name for themselves, which is worship themselves. And two, so that they could be comfortable and not move. That they could just settle in the lands there. We must realize that the sins of Babel still reside in all of us today, including myself. There is a great desire in just living in New York City to make a name for yourself. And we have to be on guard against that. Just simply by living in New York City, simply by looking at all those beautiful towers and all those beautiful names, you can't help but be moved by it. And I mean it in a bad way. Even as a pastor, my desire ultimately is to preach the word. But when you see big buildings and big people and beautiful everything, men, women, cars, all these things, you can't help desire it yourself. And so I just preach this to say that we are not immune to this. That when we live here, we need to be a guard 
our hearts need to be on guard against it because it dwells in each and every one of us. And in New York City, it seems to be amplified. And so we need to continually check our hearts and continually check our motives and our intentions of why we do certain things and what actions we make. Second, we come to the judgment of Babel. So what does God do when he sees this city and this tower being created? When he seeks the hearts of men and see that they are continually sinning. Well, we know that God is not going to wipe them out with a flood because God has promised that he will no longer do that. But he does need to slow down this sin because we know that when all men and women get together and sin is amplified, only destruction comes upon the face of the earth. So what is it that must be done? Verse 5 and 6. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. So what he does is the Lord comes down and he begins to diversify the language. That is the root problem. And, and this is actually a genius idea because if you've ever been to a foreign country with a foreign language and you just try to ask for direction or where the bathroom is, it is literally impossible to find. So when you slow down human communication, you slow down the rate in which sin can be performed. And so it's a magnificent thing, a magnificent thing to see that all these languages begin to be formed and they are no longer able to communicate with each other. And so then what happens? They finally disperse. Oftentimes when we talk about the Tower of Babel and we talk about the dispersion, people think that the dispersion was part of the curse. It's not part of the curse. It's following the commandment of God. They finally disperse, disperse throughout the earth and they begin to settle in. And even if they wanted to come back and form a city and build another tower, they would not be able to because they did not speak the same language. Now, people would say, well, why don't they just learn the language? And we have to slow it down. These languages are new. There is no internet. There is no paper. There are no good language instructors at, instructions at, instructors at this time. They have to come. They simply cannot communicate with one another. And so they have to go and build their families and their old nations. And what we end up seeing is a bunch of whole different ziggurats being built up throughout the whole Middle East. They're dispersed, but they're not dispersed forever. It gives God just enough time to focus on one nation for the time being. And for that time being, he will focus upon Israel. As all the other nations begin to carry out their history, we will see that throughout the course of regular history is the, is the history of men building empires and cities. People will build more and bigger monuments and every, to the point where all these kings of all these empires will consider themselves gods. And we will see war and we will see destruction and all this will go on throughout regular human history. But in redemptive history, we see God beginning to reveal his plan to one nation, that's Israel, 
to begin to reveal his plan of how he intends to build his own city. When God builds his city, it will be much different. When God builds his city, it will look altogether nothing like the city that man builds. And so what we see with the beginning of Israel is the redemption of Babel, the redemption of cities to come. Blood, sweat, and tears will be the foundation of many people, of many slaves when other cities are built. But when God builds his city, it will be altogether different. The city that God builds will not be built by the hands of men. The city that God builds will not be built by the blood, sweat, and tears of the masses. The city that God builds will not boast in any one nation or any one government, because the city that God builds will be built by himself. The city that God builds will be built by the blood, sweat, and tears of only one, of Jesus Christ. The city that God builds will boast in one name and one name alone, and that will be our Lord and Savior, Jesus. God will build his city his way. He will build it by him personally coming down, taking on the form of a human being and sacrificing his own son, his own son, so that he could atone for our sins, our mistakes, our desires to replace God. And in that we will see the great resurrection and the beginning of the great city to come. When Jesus Christ died and resurrected and ascended into heaven, he began to build the heavenly city in which we are going to. And the great question now becomes, who is invited to this great city? Who is to come to this great city? And we see that no, the language barrier will no longer be a problem. See, at first God put the language barrier to slow down the spread of sin, but God now will break the language barrier and he will descend upon the people, and people will begin to speak about Jesus in every tribe, in, in every tongue, and in every language. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, is what they call the great reversal of Babel. And it says this, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. All the languages of the world were now being spoken to bring them into the new Jerusalem, the great Jerusalem of heaven. The final city has been built and has been built by one. And now what we experience today as Christians is that invitation for all to come into the city, for all people to come and dwell in this glorious city of heaven where there is no sin where there is no misery, where there is no work that has been done by us, but just the pure, great joy of grace 
of us entering into that glorious city of heaven. And God today has given us the awesome task of extending this invitation to others. It is kind of a misnomer to say that we are building the kingdom of God because we are not building it because we are not there. But we are telling people about heaven and we are inviting them. And we should, and it's an important distinction and it's one I often mix up myself. We are not doing anything for God. We are not building that kingdom. All we are doing is inviting members of all people, of all races, of all ethnicities to come to this great city that has been built for his people. And that is what Jesus has commanded us to do in Matthew 28 when he says, go out to all the nations, making disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them of what needs to be taught. And therefore, we go as a church proclaiming to our areas, to our neighborhoods, to our nation, that Jesus Christ alone has built the everlasting city and where there is no sin and nor death. But we must remember that the sin of Babel still lives within us. Even though God has not changed, he still desires for us to fill the earth, to fill this new heavenly kingdom. And we do so by telling people about the name of Jesus and he gives birth to them. And there he fills the glorious kingdom of heaven. And so it should, be, so it should dawn on us and it, we should ask ourselves these questions. First, how do we continue proclaiming the life, the name of Jesus to the whole world? This should be our main desire. Uh, what I've noticed in my own heart and just talking to most New Yorkers, what consumes us is how we are going to build our own empires. What we continually think about is, what are we going to do in life? What has God called me to do? How am I supposed to use my hands? And how am I supposed to make a name for myself? And it's a great question. But sometimes the amount of time we spend on that question is not proportional to the question of how is Jesus' name going to be proclaimed throughout the earth. Now, there is not one way to do this. It doesn't mean you have to go um, give up your job and become a pastor or give up your job and become a missionary. But it is an important question that we, as followers of Christ, need to ask. How is it that the name of Jesus will be glorified and praised? It is a question we must wrestle with and ask ourselves here. Because with that question, it addresses the two issues that Babel um, had to deal with. First is creating the empire for themselves. And second, where are you getting comfortable? Because oftentimes we don't want to spread the name of Jesus because it's uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about it with my coworkers. I'm a pastor and sometimes I don't want to talk about it with other people because it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. And Jesus is such a polarizing figure. And I'm not saying that there's one way to do it, but we have to think and at least consider how we're going to do it. And we need to make sure that we are doing it in our daily lives and as a church that we are continually going out and proclaiming the name of Jesus. And I just want to quickly end with this point of application. ACC, I'm convicted by studying Genesis and hearing all these refrains that we need to raise 
more missionaries here in our church. I was under Lloyd Kim, who is currently the missionary pastor of MTW, of PCA. He was my college pastor, and I, I remember him preaching, and he was set on going to missions. He was the, if you ever hear his Christian testimony, it's not really encouraging because he was already the perfect child, and then he found Jesus, and he became the more perfect human being. But so don't listen to his testimony, but listen to his great desire for Jesus and for, for, for people to know his name. He left his life in Southern California because all he could think about were the people in Cambodia and how they didn't know who Jesus was, how he got his PhD, his wife got her doctorate, and they got it with no debt because they knew that if they had debt, they could not go overseas. So for 15 years, they lived frugally, making sure that they paid off their debt and that they were able to go to Cambodia and preach the name of Jesus. Because that is what we are called to do. And now he has challenged our whole denomination to give up 1% of our people to the mission field. 1%. The tithes and offering is 10%, but he knew he wasn't going to get that. So he said 1%. 1% of us beginning to develop a heart for mission and sending people out into the earth so that the name of Christ will be proclaimed. And when I think about it, I say, no way. I love English. I'm going to stay here. I can't even learn any other language. But remember, you don't have to go out there. That's not the point and that's not the purpose. You don't do this alone. But as a team, we need to start looking at other people and challenging them. Where is God calling you to go? Is he calling you out to go into the nations? Or is he telling you to stay in Queens? And minister to the people here. There is one thing that we did this summer as a church. We were called to do outreach in our local neighborhood in uh, the playground right across the street. And we were going to go there and we were just going to do a quick VBS. And I was super excited. And as the, uh, the team met, they, they, um, Andrea was leading it and she talked about it. And she said, okay, we have to be prepared because we have to lead um, be engaged with the Bengali people. I said, the Bengali, who are Bengali people? I've never heard of Bengali people in my life. And so, you know, I kept calm and I continued to listen on and they talked about, it's like, oh, it's, uh, it's a part of India and uh, there are, there's a huge community of them here in Astoria. And you go to the playground and it was filled with Bengali people. It was amazing, and I had no idea what was going on. But it was great to just tell them the name of Jesus. But there was a language barrier. There was a culture barrier there. And it was oftentimes difficult and sad. But then we had a helper there, Kristen. She's a white lady, and she spoke Bengali. And she was able to communicate with these mothers and these children, and they would come and we were able to talk to them, and we began to speak about the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is an amazing person. Here we see what God is doing throughout all the churches. And I wish Kristen went to our church, but she doesn't. But that's okay, because she's part of the bigger church. God is using all his church members to go out into the world, to speak different languages, to be engaged in different cultures, not for our comfort, not for our name, but so that the name of Jesus would be praised. 
and that in the end we would see all of them in all languages and all nations in heaven proclaiming the great name of Jesus Christ. And I hope that we can do it together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great work. We thank you that you continue to move us, that you continue to challenge us. We pray that as we know your word and that as we begin to understand what you desire, that we will be moved to preach your name to the nations, that we will make disciples and relationships for your glory. We thank you, God. May you receive all the glory forever. Amen.